This is the GBA Case History Series brought to you by the GBA Podcast. One of the best ways to learn is by reflecting on the mistakes and successes of others. Each episode within this series will showcase one of the many case histories developed by GBA and its member firms. They're a collection of stories that cover many different disciplines within the geo professions, each with a unique message and lesson learned. We hope you enjoy this podcast and encourage you to share the lessons learned with others at your organization. Welcome to the GBA Case History Series podcast brought to you by the GBA podcast. My name is Bryce Moore, and I am the Director of Construction Services for Blackburn Consulting, and a member of GBA's Emerging Leader Class and the Construction Materials Engineering and Testing Committee. For this podcast, we are going to be discussing Case History 103, which involves nuclear density gauges, or nuke gauges, and the state and national regulations involved in storing, transporting, and using nuclear gauges. In this case history, I will provide you with the background on nuclear gauge regulations, what a nuke gauge is and what they are used for, and why they are regulated. At the end of this podcast, stick around if you want more information on the theory behind how a nuclear gauge operates. I will discuss the challenges a GBA member firm encountered trying to manage their nuclear gauges, radiation license, and safety program with regulators steps the firm took to improve their radiation safety program, and the lessons learned from their experience. I have a personal and professional interest in this case history because I am the Radiation Safety Officer, or RSO, for my company, with three different offices in Northern and Central California. So let's discuss a little bit about nuke gauges. Nuke gauge is used to measure density and moisture in a variety of materials, such as soil, concrete, and hot mix asphalt. New gauges are used for geotechnical engineering studies and quality control and quality assurance during construction, which is often referred to as Constructive Materials Engineering and Testing, or COMET. The gauge itself is a rectangular box with a metal source rod sticking out of the top of the box with a handle on it. At the end of the rod, there is a radioactive source. Housed inside the box are radiation detectors. To measure density of a material, a hole is created using a metal pin. The rod from the gauge is then pushed down into the hole. The radiation detector measures how much radiation that comes back from the radioactive source traveling through the material being tested over a specific time interval. The nuke gauge then calculates the density of the material based on how many radioactive particles were sent out and how many returned. Less and less particles return from the source rod to the detector the denser the material is. The measured density is then expressed in pounds per cubic foot, grams per cubic centimeter, or kilogram per cubic meter. Common everyday use for a new gauge would be providing COMAT services on a construction site. A field technician will use a nuclear gauge to determine the density of soil after the contractor has compacted the soil with heavy equipment. Contractors required to achieve a minimum density of the soil in order to support the structure that will sit on top of the soil. So why are new gauges regulated by federal and state governments? Nuclear gauges contain two radioactive sources that emit a high enough level of radiation that requires them to be regulated. Nuclear gauges are regulated by the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, or NRC. The NRC has agreements with individual states, allowing each state to maintain authority over devices containing radioactive material. Firms using nuclear gauges must obtain licenses from their individual states and must comply with all state and federal regulations which cover security, storage, transportation, and the use of nuclear gauges, 
Some of the requirements for maintaining a nuclear gauge license are each gauge user must have been trained in an approved course for the safe use and transportation of nuke gauges and complete recurrent hazardous materials transportation training. The licensee must provide dosimetry badges to each user, which monitors the amount of radiation the user receives. They must test for leakage of radiation for each nuke gauge annually, conduct physical inventory every six months, maintain a statement of authorized users, maintain shipping papers for each gauge, maintain records of personnel exposure through leak tests and dosimetry badge reports, specific security measures during storage and transportation of nuke gauges, semi-annual safety program refresher training for all users, posting of all required notices at the nuke gauge storage location, perform annual safety program reviews, and take yearly readings with a survey meter around the nuke gauge storage location. States with regulatory authority conduct on-site inspections to ensure the adherence to regulations and licensing requirements. When violations are identified, the state agency requires corrective actions verified by documentation and possibly follow-up inspections. This is typically written responses and documentation that show that the corrective actions have been made. Compliance and enforcement activities can involve regulatory agency working with the licensee to correct minor deficiencies. Enforcement actions can be stricter for significant violations or if minor deficiencies continue to occur. Enforcement actions can include fines, corrective orders, injunctions, and even in some instances, criminal sanctions. Now that you have a little background on what a new gauge is and the regulatory requirements that govern them, let's discuss Case History 103 and what the GBA member firm went through with regulatory compliance. First, I'm going to give you a little background on the GBA member firm. This firm owned over 250 nuclear gauges spread out over 10 regional offices in 10 states. That is a lot of new gauges to manage and up to 10 different state regulators. I only have to manage 13 new gauges over three offices in a single state. Can't imagine what they had to deal with. In one of the states the member firm was operating in, the state regulatory agency inspected the firm's office three times over a seven-year period and identified violations on each visit. Just prior to the third inspection, a field representative destroyed a gauge when he drove his truck over the gauge while on a construction site. When a nuclear gauge is damaged or is, in this case, destroyed, a damage report must be filed with the state agency. Because of the firm's record of violations, the state began more frequent and rigorous inspections in which the state regulator identified more violations. The firm's leadership corrected each violation but did not address the underlying institutional control issues. The state regulator let four years elapse before it conducted another inspection. The next inspection did not go well. Violations that state inspectors identified on this visit were failure to perform refresher training for their employees, failure to perform annual review of their nuclear gauge program, failure to perform Department of Transportation hazmat training, failure to update survey meter calibration, failure to post the correct state agency contact number on the bill of lading, failure to post notices to employees about radioactive equipment, and failure to post a complete code of state regulations. And just if it could not get any worse, another nuclear gauge was destroyed two months after inspection by a careless field representative who drove his truck over the device at a construction site. Because this was a repetitive incident, the state performed another inspection three months after the previous inspection. During this inspection, a second repeat violation of failing to perform an annual review was noted. I have had the unfortunate experience of having a nuclear gauge run over by a water truck by a contractor on a job site when I was a field technician, and it was not a fun experience. The incident shut down the job site temporarily, which did not make the contractor happy. I had to report the incident to the radiation safety officer at my firm and the state regulator. Fortunately, my gauge was able to be repaired, but it also cost my company $3,500 to do so, 
and the cost and time spent that company staff had to spend dealing with state regulators and insurance after the incident, and the additional time and effort for mandatory inspections after the incident were significant. At this point, the firm's national leadership became involved. The National Management Group attended a meeting with state regulators who revealed at the time the second gauge was destroyed, one of the firm's nuclear gauge operators violated state regulations because they were wearing another person's dosimeter badge. The state regulator considered this another repeat violation and that the firm failed to control and maintain constant surveillance of the nuclear gauge. On the same day, senior management met with state regulators. A third nuke gauge was destroyed in the same manner as the other two, which was now a repeat, repeat violation. To make things worse, the regional office waited 17 hours to report the incident. State regulators cited that the firm deprived state authorities of the ability to respond to the incident scene. As a requirement of any firm's radiation license, the state regulator has to be afforded the opportunity to investigate at the location of an incident. The most recent infraction caused the state to perform another inspection three days after the meeting, and the results were similar to the last. The state again found multiple repeat violations. Failure to perform refresher training, failure to perform annual program review, failure to perform Department of Transportation hazmat training, failure to update survey meter calibrations, failure to perform leak tests, failure to lock devices properly, and one new violation, failure to affix legible labels to devices. The state conducted a sixth inspection four months later and discovered two more repeat violations, failure to monitor exposures to radiation and failure to maintain dosimetry records. The violations during the sixth inspection were the final violations that forced the State Department director to issue a letter to the firm's regional office by certified mail with the subject line of notice of opportunity to resolve claims prior to filing a civil suit. Director cited 12 violations of regulations more than once in the prior two years. The violations seemed minor at the time, but no longer. State regulators authorized the state agency to seek penalties of $10,000 per violation, with each day a violation continued to be considered a separate violation. A total penalty could have been in the millions of dollars. The state also had the right to revoke the firm's license completely, which would have been greater financial impact. The state's actions had the firm's complete attention. While the legal aspects of the situation were being resolved, the member firm took action, both from the management level and financially. The firm started by creating, testing, launching, and monitoring new institutional controls to address the underlying causes of the violation and regulatory compliance issues. The firm began by designing a device management software tool for new gauge management. They developed and implemented a comprehensive radiation safety officer training program required for all radiation safety officers and office managers, as well as refresher training for all new gauge users. Senior management provided the training to show the importance to the firm's employees. The firm began conducting radiation safety audits at each office, as well as radiation safety plan document audits at all offices to ensure compliance with state regulations. They implemented new gauge tracking systems using scanners and activity logs to document and track new gauges by users, standard counts, and check-in and check-out times. The firm issued weekly email reports to RSOs and senior management, alerting them of upcoming leak tests and calibrations for each new gauge. They consolidated dosimetry monitoring. They strengthened disciplinary policy in its implementation, including immediate termination of any radiation safety officer for demonstrated lack of performance. The firm improved general administration and made significant investments in training and infrastructure to help with compliance management. The firm created a corporate radiation compliance officer to oversee progress of the entire program began completing mandatory monthly RSO calls to discuss 
compliance and increase attention and frequency of internal audits. Because of the firm's prior performance, the state conducted almost 12 more unannounced inspections in a 10-year period after the firm began taking action. These inspections did not reveal a single violation. State regulators and inspectors now believe the firm's nuclear regulatory compliance program is a model for the industry. The member's firm's actions, however, did not relieve the firm of having to pay $150,000 in civil penalties, but it could have been much worse. So what can we learn from the GBA member firm's experience? Management and staff need to be able to identify, understand, and comply with all regulations. Government regulations affect business practices. This is especially the case when it comes to regulations that establish what firms must do to limit environmental, safety, and security risks to personnel and the public when handling radioactive material. Violating government regulations is a big deal. Comet operations and equipment are often managed at lower levels in an organization. Problems are often not elevated to higher levels of management, especially when consequences are not so severe. In this case history, the member firm violated safety requirements repeatedly without consequence, except for corrective action responses to the state. This encouraged continually more laxity and eventually led to fines. All personnel need to understand that violation of government regulations is a problem and should be resolved as soon as possible, and senior management must be informed. Most disasters are not caused by one or two big problems, but many small problems that are not addressed. Senior management must demonstrate concern, so subordinates will do likewise. A memo is not enough. Senior management must engage actively, like the senior management did with our member firm, to demonstrate this is important. Staff training and professional development is always important. The member firm had spent the time and the money prior to all the violations and fines. They would have saved a significant amount of money and time. Use technology to your advantage. The member firm used technology to help manage inventory and data. The use of electronic scanning and tracking give the firm real-time data documenting factors that are important for regulatory compliance. And monitor what is important. Regulatory compliance can have bottom-line value, but it's far more than just avoiding fines. Safety can be a determining factor in whether a client chooses your firm over another. Poor management of safety can lead to low staff morale and staff turnover. Verifying staff performance for safety is important. Safety and security with new gauges are critical to protect staff and the public from illness, injury, environmental damage, and even terrorism. Establishing a comprehensive nuclear gauge management program is a professional responsibility, even if the regulations do not exist. Thank you for joining me on this Case History 103 podcast. Hopefully the struggles that the GBA member firm went through and the lessons learned will help your firm with your radiation safety program. Stick around to the end of this podcast for an overview of how a nuclear gauge works. If you would like to read more case histories, check out geoprofessional.org or follow the link in the show notes where you can download this case history and many more. Case histories are always free for GBA member firms, and don't forget to subscribe to the GBA podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the GBA Case History Series. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the GBA podcast and leave us a review. Until next time, remember, the only real mistake is the one from which we learn nothing. So how does a nuclear gauge work? A nuclear gauge contains two radioactive sources, which are a gamma emitter and a neutron emitter. The gamma source is cesium-137, and the neutron source is americium beryllium-241. The gamma emitter is located in the source rod that is lowered into a hole created by driving a pin into the ground. To measure density up to approximate depths of 12 inches below the surface, the gauge uses a detector to measure the radiation emitted by the source rod. Gamma photons must pass through the material being tested, colliding with electrons in the material. Generally, the lower the number of photons that reach the detector, the denser the material is. Surface measurement, also called a backscatter test, can be taken as well. 
The gauge measures the amount of scattered photons in this instance because the source and detector are on the same plane. The nuclear gauge measures moisture, or more accurately, hydrogen molecules, by emitting neutrons which penetrate the material and are thermalized or slowed. Thermalization is the process where neutrons are slowed to the point where further collisions with hydrogen or other materials will not continue to slow them. The new gauge uses a neutron detector that counts thermalized neutrons. So, the detector counts are directly proportional to the amount of hydrogen or moisture present in the material.